Hi, and welcome to another edition of Menopause Buddies. Today I'm joined by Randy. Randy's based in New York and she's a Pilates instructor and has some lots of really interesting things to tell us menopausal women about what we can do to help our pelvic floor. Hi, Randy. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm very well. And you? Great. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, Randy, would you like to start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am 53 years old. I live in New York City. I have almost 19-year-old twins um, who I had vaginally. I'm bringing that up because it's relevant to this conversation. <laughs> um, I have, was diagnosed as being in perimenopause in my late 40s and um, have found it to be quite the journey, the combination of perimenopause, some thyroid issues, and um, the pelvic floor. So I feel like I have some interesting things to share that I hope will be helpful to your listeners. Brilliant, brilliant. Before we get into that, what is it like? Um, because we've got listeners from all over the world. So what is it like in the States if, as a woman who's perimenopausal? Is it quite hard to get diagnosed? Is it, you know, is it a battle? Do you have to see lots of different doctors? What, what's your experience been? Well, you know, I'm sure it's different in different areas of the country. Being in New York City, you do have access to so many medical professionals, um, both traditional and alternative. So we do have that. Um, I will say, though, it's very hard to get in with any of these doctors um, or alternative people. You know, you're often on wait lists. And insurance is a big issue here in the United States. So those are two challenges. Right. The third challenge would be that a lot of the doctors who in theory should know a lot about perimenopause, menopause, and I'll specify the pelvic floor often um, don't go deep enough with their patients is what I hear from my clients from people who come take my classes, who are generally the classes that I offer through the JCC of Manhattan via Zoom. We do um, some shorter classes. Uh, one is always on the breath because breathing is very important for the pelvic floor. The other is on quote unquote Kegels. And I put quotes around that word because the way we, the way I teach it is not as simplified as how it was presented to me throughout my life. Just go do Kegels, stop the flow of urine, or pretend you're stopping the flow of urine and your pelvic floor will be fine because that's not really true. Um, and that's pretty much what people say. Doctors often just poo-poo women and dismiss them and say, this is what you need to do. Certainly, there's also a lot of controversy over HRT, um, what you should be doing orally, topically, internally. Um, there's, you know, there's ongoing debate, as I'm sure there is everywhere, about what's the best approach and what's safest, short term, yeah. or long term. And and has it become easier over recent years to talk about perimenopause, menopause? There is. I definitely see um, more attention to it in the media. Everything from the New York Times to a lot of different of the newsletters. Um, that I subscribe to, I see more discussion within the 
the personal training Pilates community. So I think that we're moving in the right direction. I think it's being normalized a bit um, to discuss it and be open about it. But we have a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think everywhere. We're all heading in the right direction, which is yes. good. Yeah, thank you for that. Now, in terms of your own journey, do you want to share with the listeners you know, what your experience has been on your perimenopause journey so far? Yes. So I, you know, the most notable thing that hopefully might help someone here listening to this podcast is that in my late 40s, I went to my primary care physician complaining that I was utterly exhausted. Um, I was so tired that I felt like as I was walking a few blocks on the sidewalks in New York City, I would sometimes kind of fantasize about just lying down and taking a nap, which obviously (laughs) is not normal or healthy. So when I went to my primary care physician and I told her this, she looked right at me and said, perimenopause. And I said, well, you know, really exhausted. And she just said, perimenopause. And she kept saying that to me. Which I think in some ways was really good in that mm. she obviously is hearing from a lot of women and she's recognizing that this is one of the symptoms of perimenopause that I was never told about. Um, you know, when you refer to, first of all, I don't think I knew the expression perimenopause until just about 10 years ago. And then when I heard about menopause, I always associated it with hot flashes, deprivation of sleep some weight gain and your um, inability to conceive. Like that was the end of your, you know, opportunity to have a baby. So that's all I knew. So it was kind of interesting when she kept saying perimenopause, perimenopause. But I bring this up because that is encouraging, but she was oversimplifying things. And it's, it ended up being my thyroid was the issue. And she was very dismissive even when we got the blood work to show that my thyroid was the issue because she said, well, it's in the range of quote unquote normal. However, the medical community defines normal. Um, And I, I left there after a few appointments, just feeling so discouraged because she really didn't do anything for me other than tell me I was going through perimenopause. She didn't give me literature, nothing supportive. And she just said, your thyroid levels are normal. But I went for a second opinion, and the second doctor said, well, you are perimenopausal. I mean, you're definitely in it because I could see by your hormone levels, but you're also, your thyroid levels are the lowest end of quote-unquote normal, and perhaps for you, this isn't normal, and that's one of the reasons you're feeling so lousy. So she put me on some medication, and it really made a difference. So one, I encourage people to check their thyroids because as your estrogen levels decrease with the onset of menopause, um, the thyroid can kind of mimic the symptoms of menopause. The the estrogen regulates the protein that binds to the thyroid hormone. So as the estrogen levels start declining, this hormone TBG decreases in your bloodstream. So they kind of happen around the same time in life. A lot of women are diagnosed with hypothyroidism in midlife, and it's also due to the dropping of estrogen. Oh, that's interesting. And, 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 and what, what happened then? Did you have to take medication for the thyroid? 
Yes. And I've been on it ever since. Um, And so, you know, a lot of women experience thyroid issues, again, especially in midlife. So just definitely get that checked out. Know what questions to ask and advocate for yourself if you have a medical professional who isn't listening to you. Yeah, it's always good, isn't it, to have the knowledge to know yes. what to ask, and we, because you, we, we, we know our bodies better than anyone else, don't we? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and did you have any other problems, you know, other than the thyroid issue or the feeling tired, or, or was that it in terms of your perimenopause? Well, I, I have been on uh, low dose birth control since I had uh, my twins because <laughs> I wanted to make sure I didn't have another set of twins. Um, <laughs> and so I've been on it for a long time. And that is in some ways, you know, some HRT. Um, it is something that now I need to go off of. I have to tell you, I personally am terrified to go <laughs> off of it because. I do already have some hot flashes. I do. I get um, a little bit of vertigo too, which I didn't know can be something that your chances of it increase a bit as your um, hormones are changing at this point in life. Um, You know, I've learned more about perimenopause and menopause, frankly, from groups I'm in, um, on social media. I'm on, I'm in two groups, which is is kind of funny. One is called perimenopause from hell. So you can understand how her feeling when they join that group and then perimenopause, um, surviving and thriving. And, you know, it depends on the day, which group you're going to check in with. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing other women's situations saying like, oh, this is what's happening to me. Is this maybe a symptom of perimenopause or menopause? And having hundreds, if not thousands of other women who could say, yeah, 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 I actually have a little vertigo. You know, I feel a little kind of dizzy or lightheaded more than I used to or feel when I stand up, um, you know, I have to kind of pause for a second before I actually move. So it's really nice. I mean, you have to be careful, obviously, getting information from social media but it is nice when you have other people going through the same um, the same hormonal changes. Everyone's experience will be different, but we learn from each other, which is you know why you're doing this podcast. Exactly, exactly. It's just to understand and know that you're not alone, and for people coming up behind us to have more knowledge than we did because we were totally in the dark. I think when we went into it, and forewarned is forearmed, really, isn't it? Exactly. One other thing I have experienced, which has been quite shocking, is that my breasts have grown tremendously. (laughs) Um, You know, and that's strange, too, because I had twins, I breastfed, and then my breasts kind of deflated, like happens to so many women after going through those changes in life. And then it was so strange. I just kind of felt like a few years ago, I had moments where I felt like I was going through puberty again. Like I felt kind of tingling sensations in my breasts and thought, well, that's weird. And then I, you know, realized my bras weren't fitting. And the doctor said, yeah, some percentage of women actually their breasts start growing again at this point in life. Um, again, it was a shock. No one told me this. And I tell my daughter all the time, I wish someone had said this to me when I was your age, you know, 18, 19 years old. Your body is going to be evolving throughout your life. Do not identify too much with your current shape 
because it's always changing. And maybe if I had expected that, it wouldn't be shocking and a bit upsetting every time there are these big changes and, you know, let, you know, the widths and hips and chests and everything. And you have to buy a whole new wardrobe to accommodate it. <laughs> yes. So much you can control. Exactly. And I think it's like, my, I had exactly the same thing in terms of my breast growing and it just felt like mother nature's throwing a curveball at you. Yes. Who, who wants a cleavage in their fifties? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I was talking to a girlfriend and we were joking, like, is it even appropriate to wear the bathing suit I just bought? Because <laughs> You know, I, I just like seems like my breasts are inappropriate to be talking to other parents at a pool party, right? <laughs> Very funny. Oh, we get what we get, don't we? And yes. Make the best of it as, as we exactly. all do. Yeah. And and it would be really interesting to hear, you know, about Pilates and how you're helping women at this stage in life in, in terms of yeah, every aspect yeah. that you help them. Yeah. So when I had my twins, again, almost 19 years ago, uh, boy-girl twins, afterwards, I noticed um, when I was recovering for those few days in the hospital that I would sneeze, cough, laugh, and I would leak urine. So that is called stress incontinence. It's putting stress on the bladder, right? If kind of when you cough, there's like a downward pressure. And I was pretty upset because I thought as a Pilates instructor, this should not be happening. Um, but it was interesting because the doctor who delivered the babies came into my room and said to me, unsolicited, just happened to mention that one of my pelvic floor muscles was the strongest she'd ever seen in her, you know, 25 years of delivering babies. And she walked out and I just was lying there in the bed thinking, well, that's weird. Like what a weird thing to say. And like, that's strange. This one muscle. And then I thought about it and it occurred to me, oh, when I had been told by my doctor to Kegel throughout my pregnancy, engage my pelvic floor and release it as though you're stopping the flow of urine. Um, when you're, you know, urinating on the toilet, that's what you do. That's what they tell you. I was really only in hindsight, kind of feeling it in one little area of my pelvic floor. I was not feeling it. Uh, you know, if you were going to divide your pelvic floor into four to quadrants, I was kind of feeling at the front left, but not the front right. And definitely neither the left or right back quadrants. And so as I was trying to kind of figure this out and help myself, I started reading, attending workshops, um, experimenting, you know, what is going to help me so that I do not leak urine every time I cough or sneeze. And I was really concerned too, because I like fitness, you know, I like, mm. love Pilates. That's my passion. But if I wanted to go for a jog or something, is that pressure going to cause me to have to urinate? Am I going to leak as I jog? Um, which is the same thing, that stress incontinence is just a mm. different level of the pressure, that downward force. So through all that exploration, um, I developed kind of a program for myself and then started sharing it with others to balance things. And it turns out most of us have imbalances, right? So you have your glutes, your inner thighs, your pelvic floor, your abdominals, and your back muscles. In Pilates, we refer to this as the powerhouse, right? There has to be mm. strength, length, and balance among all these different muscles for things to kind of work efficiently. And it's so common for us to have imbalances. You know, a lot of us kind of overuse 
one or some subset of the, these muscles and underuse the others. Um, also, the direction that we're getting from medical professionals to just stop the flow of urine, I would say that that's very superficial. Um, that's kind of like the last line of defense, right? Because if you think about it, the muscles right around the urethra, that's like right when you're about to lose the urine. You need to go deeper and you need to get the muscles around from the from the, I always say the pelvic floor is really from the pubic bone to the tailbone, from the front to the back, and from the sits bone to the sits bone, those two bones in the bottom of your buttocks. And you need to have balance, you need to have control of all that. And no one has ever taught most women, as far as I know, um, to, to think about this area, to actively try and engage it, other than when they've said, stop the flow of urine to Kegel. Yeah, that's so, all I've heard, yeah, when I was pregnant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah, so my work has been very much about helping women help themselves because it can limit your life quite a bit if you're incontinent. Um, you, a lot of women say, well, I, I, first of all, they do the just in case peeing. So just in case peeing is not a great idea to do too often. You know, when your mother used to say like, go to the bathroom before we get in the car for a few hours so that, you know, just in case you have to go to the bathroom in, mm. in the middle of the trip. So a lot of women start doing that on a regular basis and you kind of mess up the natural um, system, you know, and you need to retrain it through timed urination. You start minimizing how often you go, you kind of keep a chart and you train yourself not to give into the, not to preempt an urge. And then there's also not giving into the urge every time you have that sense of, I need to urinate if you're going every hour, right? You don't want to yeah. go that often. Um, the other thing is to think of it, I always say at the macro level, like I said, the pubic bone to the tailbone, sits bone to sits bone. And that image of kind of pulling those all those bony points together and almost lifting up because you got to pull them together and got to lift to tie in the muscles that are deeper to connect and to connect with the connective tissue, the fascia. The other thing is think about it from a micro standpoint. If you're suffering from incontinence, you probably have tried and can stop the flow of urine. Also, I assume almost every person, I assume every person, I'll make that statement, has tried to stop themselves from passing gas at some point in their lives, right? <laughs> so you got the, you have then the front and the back, right? Yeah. And then you need the middle. And the middle is kind of a little more elusive. Um, but if you can visualize a marble or a blueberry or something and think about if you had it right underneath your vaginal opening and trying to kind of lift it up, that's the feeling you want. So I knew there was a reason I didn't do video on podcast because here I am trying to, trying to do. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> well, I find... look, you have to get into the detail, the nitty gritty here to help no, us. But I, I'm trying to do it, and I feel my shoulders <laughs> lifting, and I'm trying. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> that's all right. So the next thing I really want to stress because the the inclinations to go directly to the pelvic floor and start working it. So that's that's those are the things I'd say. You want to work the macro, micro, and you want to think if you have three openings and you need to be able to kind of equally control all three openings. Um, the next thing I'll say about that area is most of the muscles are what we call slow twitch. So doing like fast and furious hundreds of reps of trying to engage, release, engage, release, 
isn't going to get most of the muscles in the area that you need to control. You want to do endurance exercises, really. So you need to slowly engage, hold, and here's the key. You need to slowly release. So if anyone out there suffering from incontinence, try this idea of slowing it down and working on the release. Because a lot of women tell me, oh, I can do 100 Kegels. Like I know, and I know it's my pelvic floor. I'm not just squeezing my glutes or my inner thighs. But they're not, then when they give them this challenge, they say, oh, I couldn't slow down the release. It just kind of happened really fast. So that's something that can make a big difference for people. Um, the next thing I'll say, if you're directly working on pelvic floor muscles is try it in different positions. So you can do it seated, standing, you can arch your back, you can round your back, you can do it lying down. If you do yoga poses, try child's pose or happy baby, because sometimes when you have everything kind of open and relaxed, it's actually easier to find these muscles. And that's if you're just saying, I can't even connect with them. Like my brain is just not connecting. And that happens. Like I said, I was connecting automatically with the front left quadrant, but clearly my brain was not connecting to three quarters of my pelvic floor during my pregnancy, hence my incontinence. The next thing I'd like to add is breathing which is so funny because it's like, well, of course I breathe fine. It's not an issue. But we all through life, through stress, through habits, um, our breathing changes throughout life, often becoming kind of shallow. And to your point, Annie, that idea of the shoulders lifting, we hold a lot of tension in our shoulders. A lot of the breathing is kind of up and through the shoulders and chest area as opposed to three-dimensional, which is through the rib cage. Um, so practicing your breathing and here is the key it's for most people, it's counterintuitive definitely was for me. And that is that you exhale to engage the pelvic floor. You inhale and picture it relaxing, just like a flower in bloom and you exhale. Think of it, a closed flower. That's difficult. It's very hard to get yeah. it. So, you know, I do workouts with women who are mostly over the age of 60, because even though um, they say about 25 million women suffer from urinary incontinence, um, about 75, that's people, 75 to 80% are women. Some people, you know, the most common times to kind of start suffering from it is childbirth or peri and menopause. So most of my clients tend to be postmenopausal and they say it's a new issue. They didn't have it ever in their lives and now they're experiencing it. So it's relevant to everyone here. And also it's nice to start doing this to preempt potential issues, not only because it's potentially inconvenient. You don't want to be looking for the toilet every time you go somewhere or saying, I can't go for a walk in this direction because it's too far from the loo. Mm-hmm. But you also, um, you also, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah. So you, you want to make sure you have freedom in life, but also this is what I was going to say. The number one cause for women ending up in assisted living is incontinence. Oh, wow. And the reason being is the more you need to urinate in the middle of the night, the more you're getting up in the dark and going to the bathroom. 
Mm-hmm. And every time you do that, as you get older, your chances of falling increase, right? So you have a greater chance of falling if you're going three or more times a night than if you're going once a night. And it's considered also just so people know, ultimately, it's not considered quote unquote normal. I would say it's just not ideal to have to get up more than once a night to urinate. So if you are doing that, you know, it's important to start working on this, even if you don't feel it's, um, a, you know, this really pending, pro- this immediate problem, an acute issue, you want to do it just to prevent the issue in the future. You want to start thinking about it. So, so if you, you start have- it now, and if you don't have an issue, will that build up um, strength and then it will stop you getting incontinence or it will reduce the level of it? Yes, I can't. There's no guarantee ever Mm. because everyone has their own um, situation. If you're on certain medications, it could get exacerbated. If you've been through chemotherapy, um, you know, if you have diabetes, there's so many issues. Also, diet influences incontinence, and sometimes it's counterintuitive. So, I know women who say to me, you know, I'm just so afraid to go out at night that I. I just don't drink after 5 p.m. I don't have water or anything. But it's, again, it's counterintuitive because actually dehydration can increase the acidity in the bladder, and then you have to go. (laughs) So it's kind of like you can't win, right? Yeah, you can't win. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, again, it's related to – a lot of it's related to estrogen and the decline of the estrogen – causes the musculature of the pelvic floor to decrease. And also it thins the lining between the bladder and the uterus and um, all the openings down there. So that's why sometimes those are some of the reasons why as women get older, they tend to have um, an increase in in incontinence. So if we, if we do these, we might be able to continue jumping on trampolines. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I also want to bring up one thing that I'm finding people are still uncomfortable talking about. So people come to my workshops or work with me one-on-one, but in the workshops is very interesting because, you know, we're on Zoom, you're seeing people's faces, you're seeing their first names. And, you know, I always say this is a private community, you know, and what you say here stays here. But it's a little hard even to just share with other women who are saying, I'm going to put myself out there. I want to help myself and be in a comfortable place to kind of just say, this is what's happening. The one thing I'm finding still people then reach out to me and say, I don't want to say it in front of the group, but I actually am leaking feces. It's not urine. Oh, so Hmm. you can have incontinence. It's not just urinary incontinence. Um, but it's the same kind of exercises you need to do. You just need to focus again on the musculature around the anus as opposed to around the urethra. And I just want women to know you're not alone. You know, this mm. is issue, And I think this is going to be one of the next things we start hearing a little bit more about in the discussion of incontinence and challenges as we age. Yeah. And I think that's what you said there. It's, it's knowing you're not alone and it's important to talk about it. So important to normalize this, you know, these discussions. And you've showed us there's something we can do about it. Definitely something you can do. Focus on the breath. 
just think EE, when you engage the pelvic floor, which means kind of pulling it together and lifting, you're exhaling. Brilliant. That sounds wonderful. And and if people, if listeners uh, wanted to reach out to you, how can they contact you? Because you said you do them on Zoom. So presumably you've got you anyone anywhere in the world could contact you and take part in a Zoom um, Yeah, absolutely. I, as I said, we do these one-on-one 45-minute sessions, one on breath, one on the actual quote-unquote Kegels, the pelvic floor specific exercises. And then for those who want more, we do four-week series where we really go deeper into the breath, we go deeper into the pelvic floor, and we have you know virtual groups where I share articles and literature we have guest speakers, um, pelvic floor physical therapists. Sometimes that's something that's needed. So if you reach out to me, I'm at Randy with an I at nyc-pilates.com. I would love to hear from anyone and everyone. I think the more we talk about this, just the better. Wonderful. I'll, I'll put that on my um podcast note so that will be in there as well so and yeah I, I found that absolutely fascinating Randy it was oh, good. brilliant thank you thank you I'm so glad I'm able to share something that will hopefully be valuable to someone out there I think totally and thank you so much for sharing that and for joining us on menopause buddies today thank you Annie really appreciate thanks. it thanks Randy bye okay take care bye wow I found that really interesting and I'm certainly going to start my pelvic floor exercises the way Randy described. I hope you enjoyed it too, and I hope you've learned something from that episode. Join me next time when I speak to another woman about her issues with this time of life. Until next week.